0: Listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast, I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's reading, you can do so on Facebook by heading over to the Facebook group, The Mystical City of God in a Year podcast, and there you'll be able to share your insights and reflections from today's readings with others who are following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady, Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts in the same missionary fervor of Sora Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 179. We are reading from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 29, Paragraphs 691 to 695. Chapter 29. The Most Holy Mary clothes the infant Jesus in the seamless tunic. She puts shoes on his feet, the doings and observances of the Lord. 691. In order to clothe the divine infant in the small tunic and put on his feet the sandals made by her, the most prudent lady cast herself on her knees before her sweetest son and addressed him in the following words, Most High Lord and Creator of heaven and earth, I would wish to clothe thee, if possible, in such a way as thy divinity deserves. And I would gladly have made these garments, which are to cover thee, from my heart blood. But I know that the poor and insignificant coverings I now offer thee are according to thy desires. Pardon me, my Lord and Master, my faults, and accept the loving affection of her, who is but dust and ashes. Allow me to clothe thee. The infant Jesus was pleased with the loving service of his purest mother, and thereupon she clothed and shod him, setting him upon his feet. The tunic fitted him perfectly, covering his feet without hindering them in walking, and the sleeves extended to the middle of his hands, although she had taken no measure beforehand. The collar was cut out round without being open in front, and was somewhat raised around the neck. "'adjusting itself to the throat. "'Through this opening the Heavenly Mother "'passed it over the head of the infant, "'for the garment gracefully adjusted itself "'according to her wishes. "'He never divested himself of this tunic "'until the executioners themselves "'tore it off to scourge and afterwards to crucify him, "'for this garment continually grew with him, "'adjusting itself to his body.' The same happened also with the sandals and with his undergarment, which the solicitous mother made for him. None of all these articles of clothing wore away or became old in the thirty-two years, nor did the tunic lose its color or its newness, but remained just as it had left the hands of the great lady. Nor did any of them become soiled or filthy, but they preserved their first cleanliness." The garment which the Redeemer of the world laid aside in order to wash the feet of the apostles was a mantle or cape which he wore over his shoulders, and this also had been made by the Virgin after they had returned to Nazareth. Like the other clothing, it grew with the Lord, was of the same color, only a little darker, and was woven in the same way. 692 Thus... The infant Lord of the Eternities was placed on his feet, after having since his birth been wrapped in swaddling clothes and held for most of the time in the arms of his Most Holy Mother. John 13.4 He was the most beautiful among the sons of men. The angels were astounded at the humble and poor raiment chosen by him, who clothed the heavens in light and the fields with beauty. He walked freely on his feet in the presence of his parents, but before strangers this wonder remained for a time, concealed, since the queen took him in her arms, when outsiders approached, or whenever they went abroad. Indescribable was the joy of the heavenly lady and of St. Joseph, as they saw the infant walking about and exhibit such rare beauty. He received nourishment at the breast of his purest mother, until he was a year and a half old and no longer. His meals thereupon were most frugal as well in quantity, as in quality." At first, they consisted in broths mixed with oil and some fruits or fishes. While he was still in the process of growth, she gave him to eat three times a day, as often as she had formerly given him her milk in the morning, afternoon, and at night. The divine child never asked for food, but the loving mother, with thoughtful anxiety, provided him his meals at the proper time, until later on, when he was already grown up and would not consent to eat oftener or at other hours than the heavenly spouses themselves. This was his rule, until he reached adult age, of which I will speak later on. Whenever he took his meals with his parents, they always waited until he should pronounce the blessing at the beginning, and give thanks at the end. 693. From the time the child Jesus was on his feet, he commenced to retire, and spend certain hours of the day in the oratory of his mother. As the most prudent mother was anxious to know his wishes in regard to her intercourse with him, the Lord responded to her mute appeal, saying, My mother, enter and remain with me, always in order that thou mayest imitate me in my works. For I wish that in thee be molded and exhibited the high perfection which I desire to see accomplished in the souls. For if they had not resisted my first intentions, 1 Timothy 2, four, they would have been endowed with my most abundant and copious gifts. But since the human race has hindered this, I have chosen thee as the vessel of all perfection, and of the treasures of my right hand, which the rest of the creatures have abused and lost. Observe me, therefore, in all my actions, for the purpose of imitating me. 694. Thus the heavenly lady was installed anew as the disciple of her most holy son. Thenceforward passed such great and hidden mysteries between these two, that not until the day of eternity will they be known. Many times the divine child prostrated himself on the ground. At others he was raised from the ground in the form of a cross, earnestly praying to the eternal Father for the salvation of mortals. In all this his most loving mother imitated him, for to her were manifest the interior operations of his most holy soul, just as well as the exterior movements of his body. Of this knowledge of most pure Mary I have spoken in other parts of this history, and it is necessary to point it out often, because this was the source of light which guided her in her holy life. It was such a singular blessing that all creatures together will not be able to understand or describe it by their united powers. The great lady did not always enjoy visions of the divinity, but always the sight of the most holy humanity and soul of her son with all their activities. In a special manner she was witness of the effects of the hypostatic and beatific union of the humanity with divinity. Although she did not always see this glory and this union substantially, yet she perceived the interior acts by which his humanity reverenced, loved, and magnified the divinity, to which it was united, and this privilege was reserved solely to Most Holy Mary. 695. On these occasions it often happened that the child Jesus, in the presence of his Most Holy Mother, wept and perspired blood, for this happened many times before his agony in the garden. Then the Blessed Lady would wipe his face interiorly, perceiving and knowing the cause of this agony, namely the loss of the foreknown and of those who would be ungrateful for the benefits of their Creator and Redeemer, and in whom the works of the infinite power and goodness of the Lord would be wasted." At other times, the Blessed Mother would find him refulgent, with heavenly light, and surrounded by angels that sang sweet hymns of praise. And she was made aware that the Heavenly Father was pleased in his beloved and only begotten Son, Matthew 17.5. All these wonders commenced from the time when, at the age of one year, he began to walk, witnessed only by his Most Holy Mother, whose heart was to be the treasure house of his wonders. The works of love, praise, and worshipful gratitude, his petitions for the human race all exceeded my ability to describe. I must refer the understanding of it to the faith and piety of the Christians. This concludes our reading today for day number 179. We've been reading from volume 2, book 4, chapter 29, paragraphs 691 to 695. We hear this peculiar account today that, the garment that Mary made continued to miraculously extend itself and clothe Jesus all throughout his life. Something to marvel at. Sure, it could happen. It's something hard, I think, for us to believe. But then again, we also always should remind ourselves of those words, nothing is impossible with God. And so if this was the desire of the Christ child, Well, then, surely this is being carried out according to his wishes, and God is allowing it to happen. It's the stories of the endless kettle of soup that fed poor people in some village. I watched the movie about St. Philip Neri one day, and that was one of the scenes that he would empty the soup kettle, and then somehow it was miraculously filled. Perhaps something very similar takes place in this regard. And then we heard whenever he took his meals with his parents, they always wait until he should pronounce the blessing at the beginning and give thanks at the end. I think often it's easy for us to forget our before-meal prayers or after-meal prayers. Maybe we choose not to pray before meals if we're with other people or at a restaurant. That doesn't mean we have to pray out loud. We could pray quietly ourselves. And then to give thanks to God, to bless our meal. Really, that blessing of the meal is something that we see at the Mass when we have what's called the Barakah prayers, the offering of the bread and wine. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. And so as we see our earthly meal, it's really mirrored in that heavenly meal. It's important for us to give thanks to God for how he provides for us day in and day out with our bodily sustenance. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you and Mary pray for you.